Welcome to another episode of A Pint with Shawnee B. This is a bit of a mad one. Uh, I'm in Nicaragua, of all places, for today's interview. I'm here on holidays, as is my guest, a fiery redhead from America, who is an independent executive producer specializing in commercials and uh, music videos and short film. So I'm very pleased to welcome Nicole Acasio. Did I get your name right? You did. I did. Uh, this is a bit crazy. We were on we were on Hermosa Beach yesterday, which is a beautiful beach not far from San Juan del Sur. And uh, Nicole is a friend of a friend of mine, and we've all caught up here by chance. And it's the way the world works, and how small it is. And I thought, why not put her on the podcast because she's got some great stories to tell. Um, tell me a little bit about what you're actually doing now. First of all, what's your what's your main focus in in life? Well, right at the present moment, it's to be relaxing in Nicaragua <laughs> <laughs> with a flight returning on the 7th of January, but can change that mo- at any moment, I think. You're your own boss. I'm my own boss to an extent. I have directors that I enjoy working with fully and a company that I enjoy working with fully, but sometimes it's just nice to check out and not have to answer emails and be the... Uh, the conduit of everything and I feel like that is really what a producer does is connects and controls a lot of the mechanics that go into any kind of filmmaking. Your company's name is Nix Picks. Correct. And when did you set that up? In 99. Wow. Yeah. Well yeah. tell me how you got to setting up Nix Picks. What was your early, where, where are you from? Well, I'm from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania region, northeastern Pennsylvania. I'm a big um, Philadelphia Eagles fan. Big Eagles fan. We got cuffed last night. Yes, we did, unfortunately, <laughs> and so did I. Uh, <laughs> um, great, big, wonderful family who pretty much all lives there still, and I was the one that ventured off to California. So you're the black sheep? Uh, to an extent, yes. Right, yes. Right. I'm the oldest, and I'm the one with no kids and you same, know, wandering same. spirit. Yeah, same yeah, here. Same it's here. kind of fun like this. So you went to college, did you, in, in Philadelphia? Or did I did, and, and I kind of didn't really care about being in college, but I loved the experiences of life. I went to a few different schools and had some amazing jobs along the way and met really fantastic people, mostly in the music industry. Right. But yes. how did the girl from Philadelphia get it? Like, how did you get sucked into the music industry? How did you find the music industry? You know, I, I come from a family of music lovers. There was always music on in our house. Whether we were cooking dinner, or getting ready, you know, to go out, or waking up in the morning, and my mother was going to make cleaning the kitchen cabinets fun by throwing Earth, Wind, and Fire on, <laughs> <laughs> which it was. I Great. never really complained. Chores yeah. was never a big deal, and I think that's why I really enjoy what I do because I don't tackle it like it's a chore. I just look at it like, well, what are we going to get ourselves into today, and what kind of projects? And even though the premise of what I do is always the same. It always changes based on whatever the project is and who your clients are and what you're working with. And anyway, to answer your question, I got into this business directly. Um, I was hired to be in front of the camera for a Budweiser commercial. And I was really bored and antsy sitting around waiting 
right. to be the bartender at the bar in the right. Budweiser commercial. Right. And so, were you like an actress model, finding no. your way? In a, no. Just, how did, how did just, it happen? How did you get? I was just the bartender there. You were the bartender girl. Yeah. Oh, you were actually a bartender. I was actually, that's what I did through oh, school. And okay. they're like, "Oh, well, you should just be our bartender for the spot. We love your look." Blah blah blah. Oh, right. Okay. So I just kept like digging and asking questions. Yeah. And like, well. What is he doing? And what is that person doing? And why does this person just, they just stand there all day and set up food on a, a table and that's what they do? That's their, so I just kept asking enough questions and to the point where I guess, you know, at the time the cinematographer was taking a long time to light and get things set up. And I said, look it, I would rather help you. And I have some really great girlfriends at Tambar. I can call some in, you could look at them. And I kind of switched it out, oh, and um, I ended up during the shoot. During the shoot, <laughs> I was already controlling things then. <laughs> they didn't know it, and then I ended up going. Um, they did a three-city campaign. It was Philadelphia, Manhattan, right. and, and Boston. So they took me on the road with them in production. And so you were just discovered. I was yes, yes. And so, t- so, the, so the ad gets made. And and you're now part of the troupe, are you? And now I'm part of the troupe, and it was. Uh, it was a producer his name was Taylor Lawrence and he was amazing and he really like helped me understand what production was and so he decided to say like you can be my assistant or something or you can we, yeah, I'll, we'll freelance train. assistant and did he give you salary like yes he, yeah okay yeah. he said when a job comes up I'll hire you but when a job isn't there I can't pay you anything so yeah. you need to figure out so of course bartending and waitressing is always the easiest yeah. filler and uh I did that for a few years in New York, and then I wanted to move. I ran into an old friend who lived in San Francisco, so I wanted to move there. And I ended up teaming up with some people on the Lollapalooza tour. Yeah. And that was going to be my summer gig. But when I got there, I needed a job prior to the summer. So I ended up landing a job with this company who I didn't leave until they hired me called The Sack. And they're a pretty big handbag company. And so I stayed there and lived in San Francisco for a few years and worked with them. And, and what were you doing for them? Just sales? I was their East Coast sales girl. Okay. So it was great. I got to live in San Francisco, but my territory was Northeastern United States. And right. I would be able to go home three, four times a year to see my family okay. with, you know, a ticket on them, basically. And, and, and were they, did they allow you then do, when a commercial came up, did they allow you go and work with... It was kind of a... Um, a dead city for production right. in San Francisco and um, I went to visit a friend who was a photojournalist for the LA Times and when I went down to visit him in LA I ran into another old friend from Philadelphia Anastasia and she was working on a project and I went to set and it was nothing like I experienced in New York because this was a music video and it was for West Side Connection which is Ice Cube, Mac-10, and Dub C. And I was really into hip-hop at the time and reggae, and I just thought it was the most incredible thing in the world to make a music video. Right. I mean, I've watched them my whole life. I used yeah. to study dance, like from everything Janet Jackson did, all the dance moves. And then I got into this amazing group of people in production and a woman by the name of Rachel Curl. She just held my hand along the way and brought me from a production assistant pretty much up into a producer. Wow. And she's still one of my best friends to this day. So it seems like you just fell into all these things. I did. Amazing. Yeah, I did. Why why do you think that happened? Because a lot of people would say, I want to get into music, and they they go to college, and they study, and they they write off applications, and you you, you keep finding yourself on a set and people hiring you. I feel 
it's also like has to deal with the cosmic of the world. Yeah. You know, I think if it's something that you really enjoy doing and you really want to be a part of it, I hate the word try. It's my most detested word. I right. cancel it as soon as someone says it. I said, try doesn't work for me. Yeah. So everyone who works on my team, well, we'll try and do that. I cancel it. And a lot of people have come up to me and said, thank you for making me cancel try out of my vocabulary because try doesn't mean anything. It's a good point. And I'll try to do. I will do. Yeah. Right. I will do, yeah. Right. Just do it. So you you probably exuded because you have this enthusiasm about you, and you're also interested. Even like the last couple of days, I've known you. You're like when there's a problem, you go, "I want to try and solve that." Right. right. Sorry, I will solve that. Right. I will solve that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, I was very fortunate, but I worked very hard to get to those. Yeah. Every situation that I achieved, I never really said, "Oh, okay, now by this time next year, I want to be doing this." It was never that pinpoint. It was more of working with a good group of people. I think I'm a really good judge of character, so I knew if someone was BSing. And who wants to waste their time with somebody who's just full of lies and manipulation? Not me. And I always say to someone who's starting, I say, if you don't love it, then maybe you shouldn't do it. Because you're not going to have regular hours. You have to answer the phone at all times. Mm -hmm. And your client is the most important. And... Regardless if you're sitting down at dinner on Christmas Eve and something has to be delivered yeah. and that phone rings, you can excuse yourself, answer the call, explain to the person, you'll call them back, yeah. and you can do that. I had to get up out of bed at 2.30 in the morning when I was doing a shoot in New York with Diddy and Nelly. It was for the song Nasty, and he wanted to have a meeting to discuss everything at Blue Ribbon Sushi at 2.30 in the morning. <laughs> And I was in bed asleep and I had to get up and go with my director and we went over and we met with them and actually it was great because so many questions were waiting to get answered and he's such a busy guy, it was hard to get a hold of him. Yeah. And we left that meeting with all of these answers and we were able to have a really productive day the next day. So yes, it might not be what you're used to, but that's the client you're working with. It's like you, you sell your soul to that client for that amount of time. So just go back a bit, you, you were on this set of a music video and this again they sort of said yeah you're interesting we'll, and this woman helped you along like so right. had, so then what sort of what was the path like after that was it like you just learning the music video trade or production or yes it was and it was it was at the time where there was a lot of money in music videos there was yeah. a ton of money to be spent and it was at the time where you know hip hop had come out and become this really flashy flashy world and cars and mansions and girls and so you were in L.A. doing this? I was in L.A. doing this, and I flew everywhere. And I had a really great group of directors, and I learned something different from all of them. Mm. But you were at the founding of hip-hop. I mean, it was just emerging, right? Yeah, I mean, it was... Like, what were the acts that you were working with? I mean, I literally worked with everyone, even before they have died. I had a chance to work with Biggie. I had a chance... I haven't worked with Tupac, which would have been amazing. Yeah. Big Pun is another one who I worked with him a lot in New York. Jay Z, Jermaine Dupree, a lot of R&B, Jagged Edge, Destiny's Child. I did their very first video with Wyclef, where as soon as Beyonce came on set, we were just like, "Wow, there's the star." There's the aura. He just, she just know, gave it that presence in front of the camera. It was just unbelievable. It was the No 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 remix video with Wyclef. 
And you were, and this was a, a company that you were working now that specialized in music videos. I worked Nixpix was me. It was just okay. me, just me freelancing. So when you were when you when you met this woman who guided you through, you set up your own company then and they about hired. a few years later. Yeah, because I was, you know, I was the girl going around folding up the chairs and the tables yeah. and making sure that everyone had water and you know, picking up trash and dealing yeah. with everything and anything that needed to be done on set and I, and that doesn't go unnoticed. I think it's you know, there's this illusion, delusional world of 20-year-olds out there right now who they want to come to set, they want to work as a PA, production assistant, then next year they want to be producing. Yeah. And I, I know the only reason I'm good and I get hired is because I worked in every position for nice lengths of time. Apprenticeship. To really understand what that position is. And like I said, there was never a goal of like getting to the next level. It was like, how can I perfect what I'm doing now? So everyone wants to hire me as the best production coordinator. Right. And then they'll let you know when you're ready to be the production manager. And then directors will notice you as a production manager and Mm. say, hey, I want you to produce for me. I I agree with you, this idea of you've got to put in the hard yards is lost it's 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 it, kids today I mean I'm, I sound like an old fogey on kids today but you know there is this kind of I've, I've said it before this kind of flipperty gibbet sort of thing their, their attention keeps jumping from place yeah. to place and unless they get unless they get immediate gratification and immediate success then they're not prepared to work hard at it right and I th- like I think your story is interesting because you make it sound like really easy but like I, I can hear now when you talk about it, that you actually dig you did dig deep mm-hmm. and you said you applied yourself and you mm-hmm. and you expected if you're working with the right people that they'll notice that and then mm-hmm. things will come and they did you know and I, I, th- I think that applies in, 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 in lots of industry tell me one of the great um, stories of one of the shoots that you were on um, we did a really amazing job with Alicia Keys in Jamaica and it was in this um, area called Sherlock it's all like projects and it was with the director, Sana Hamri. She said, come do this job with me in Jamaica. I said, oh, okay. I, you know, coming from a love of reggae and whatnot, sure. She's like, it's going to be a tough one. I said, okay. It was tough. There's no lights at night, so mm-hmm. you can't walk alone. Mm-hmm. And even we had our own security, but then there was security that came with Alicia. And it was with this other artist, Baby Sham. And then um, Shaggy was in it also and all their securities. So... I felt so protected, but from what I kept asking myself. They were so excited, that whole community, to yeah, have us course. there. Yeah. You know, when you say, when you talk about being safe in, in communities, like we're in Nicaragua here, I, I'm a great believer if you want to find trouble anywhere, you can find it. But, Absolutely. But if you if you're, have a modicum of street smarts, you can. I mean, you can find trouble in Dublin. You can find trouble in New York. You can yeah. find trouble anywhere. Yeah. Uh, and you can find trouble here. But I mean, if you're just vaguely careful, and who and is the most? Who, who are the? If you're allowed, you probably not allowed to say. But who are the? Who are the uh, most difficult? Uh, Mariah Carey. Rock star, Mariah Carey. <laughs> I was going to say you probably wouldn't speak. At. Tell me. A, tell me a diva Mar- Mariah Carey story. If you're. That she won't come. I mean, come this, after is, you. this is the thing. I mean, and, and I would say this to her. There's a reason that she is the way she is, mm-hmm. and she's magnificent. She was very blessed. Uh, I think it's also made her very cursed, and mm. she's so guarded and particular and unbelievably self-conscious, which happens to a lot 
of girls, mm. which comes off wrong, or people around people like that make the situation so much more tense and so much more of an issue than really what it needs to be. Mm. And I have no problem working with super high-level celebrities. I, I mean, I've worked with Joaquin Phoenix um, on his mockumentary when he decided oh, yeah, to quit he started, acting. He started to go bonkers on the Letterman show. Were you working on that? Yes, yeah. So, so I how was, did you keep that a secret? Because he, he, everyone <laughs> thought he was gone, right? Yeah, no, everyone did. I mean, and I was setting up all of his... Um, because he wanted to be a hip-hop artist. Yeah. So I was setting up all of his little shows and opportunities to perform with like the Wu-Tang Clan, meetings with Diddy. and. So I would you tell the Wu-Tang, would you tell the musicians that this is all a setup, right? No. No. Not at all. Yeah. I remember seeing him on Letterman that time. It was amazing. Uh, Letterman was just looking at him going... We did tell him afterwards. Ah, okay. That there were certain... Because Letterman was taken aback, wasn't he? Oh, yeah, he yeah. was. And, and like, it, you know, those are his ratings for his show. I mean, it was it was kind of a... He, you know, Joaquin didn't really say very much no. at all. <laughs> like, he had a big beard and glasses. One-word answers, and just, yeah, yeah. yeah. And... Uh, so yeah. you think Mariah kind of carried self-propagates the problem by just making people around her tense is, is that what you were trying to say earlier I do and and I also feel like there's some sort of a unconscious insecurity yeah that comes out she has to be in control even if a decision was made and the chair was supposed to be white and you got the white chair for her to show that she needs to be in control, the chair was really supposed to be buttercream. So unless there's a stir happening and yeah. everyone's working in like a panic flat. underneath yeah. her, yeah. then she doesn't feel like does she's she in control. Does she thrive off that? Do you think? Does that just is is just, I mean, does she hope, like to create I that? I hope sense? not, but it happens a lot. And who's the nicest? Oh, there's a lot of really nice. Well, who's guys. the one who you think? Oh, everyone thinks they're really not, not nice, but they are really nice. Like Phoenix is probably Wacken Phoenix is probably a good example, right? He's lovely. Yeah. He's really wonderfully. But any of the like, you know, you, you've been you've been handling like a lot you of know these. Who's actually really really nice and like remembered all the years I've worked is Kelly Rowland from Destiny's Child. Right. I mean, never forgot my name. You know, right. maybe four years would go by and then I'd have an opportunity to work with her again. Master P, so nice. I, and like would sit down and talk and kind of just ask you questions like your neighbor would, you know, uh, and was genuinely interested in the answers. Um, I quite like a lot of these hip hop. They play this real thug kind of culture and they play this kind of drug culture and they play this smack my bitch up culture. But like yeah. they're presumably not like that. Yeah, no, DMX was great when we shot with him in uh, Arizona. Um, he took me and our director out to the house and we went up to shoot guns off of a hill and went back to his house. He showed us his rattlesnake skin collection. And, <laughs> you know, we're, we're like, at one point we're all standing there like holding guns and <laughs> it was just such an unbelievably surreal moment in yeah. his house, but yeah. he was super nice. He wanted to barbecue and yeah. have us hang out there, but you know, we had a shoot to get ready for us so we had stuff to do. Um, it's an amazing life. I think. You know, we were talking about the other day about yeah. the, 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 the great quote, which is, um, you know, we spend our life climbing a ladder uh, only to often get to the top of the ladder and find it's resting against the wrong wall. But 
Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give it up. I don't think I would sit here and say that I would rather have another job. But the hard thing, though, I think, about the industry, it, for me, and going back to what I was saying about like with women, um, I did, for a while, go and speak to middle school students mm-hmm. and high school students to explain to them what they see is not what it is. And everything is rented. That's not their house. We've shopped for those clothes. The car is on a daily rental fee. Those girls we've hired, and those girls don't even eat, half of them, just so they can stay, you know, picture ready. And once I think I was able to do something like that and explain, because I feel like I just create this this illusion of what these girls are trying to be and guys and what they want to have and who they, who they want to like look up to. And that's fine, but they need to understand like when we're done shooting someone, we go in and we do a ton of work on their face and they're fat and they're stretching them and it's all to make them look a certain way that their managers and record labels and themselves, you know, want to be perceived. But it's horrifying for these young girls to feel like that they want to look like these idols. Well, I have have the same thing in my career in advertising because you do look back in a little bit and you go, you know, we're, we're, we're the pimps of capitalism. We're telling lies. We're creating false hope. We're creating uh, body issues in people. We're creating jealousy and greed. And you know, you, you know, it's a bit right on maybe to say that. And a lot of people slag me when I say it, but it's the same. You're seeing the same thing from the production side that it's just fake. You know, the whole thing is, it's not real. What, what you talked about women there. What was it like What's your observations on being a woman in this industry? Is it getting better? Was it was it always okay? Or I mean, I feel like it's very different in music videos and commercials because they're shorter projects. But there are a lot more female-owned production companies. Mm-hmm. Television and film has a stigma of it's it's a man's world. But I mean, if you have followed any of television in the last two years, there's a lot of amazing women that are out there and doing some really fantastic writing, directing, producing creators. And I think that that stigma is slowly going away. Mm. I'm not really one of those... I'm not a feminist. I'm not... I come from an old school of thought. And I'm the woman who... My house is always clean mm. because I clean it mm. or I have someone who helps. I love to cook a meal. I love it when the laundry is done. Mm. I love to actually do the laundry. I also love working very hard at my job and I love being in power. And I answer people's emails. I call people back. Yeah. I kind of in a way feel like I'm a wonder woman. I don't have a child and I can't even imagine how more complex it would be. It and there's a lot be, yeah. of women out there that do all that I do and, and then they have children mm. and I give them tons of respect and some people say oh you know you dug your own hole you wanted to work you wanted to work and now you guys are working and now who's taking care of the kids and this and that and look at yeah probably in some situations the kids are a little shortchanged. yeah but but you have this meritocracy about you which I think you 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 have a, f- a sense of fair play and you go if I work hard if I work hard and I do my job really well, it will get recognized and, and, and it has happened that way for you, which is yeah. good, you know. Um, tell me a bit about the difference between working in New York and L.A. Hmm. 
One's enjoyable, one's not enjoyable. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> <laughs> well, Los Angeles is the mecca for production. Right. And anything that you need, want, um, a director asks for very last moment is easily attained. It's not that you can't get it in New York, but get ready to get your, you know, your outfit on and fight for it. Because especially if it's a, a very particular item or something that's a specialized item and they know you're from out of town, they're going to charge you. Luckily, I'm from the East Coast, so I feel like I have a great negotiation, great negotiating skills, and I do well there, and I kind of talk that talk with them, but I've always had a really hard time shooting there, Mm -hmm. but I still love to shoot there. It's not all like kittens and lollipops like it is in Los Angeles, and I'm not saying production's easy. It's a bit more clenched in New York, isn't it? Production's just a part of New York. Production is Los Angeles. Well, New York's money more than anything. Yeah, New York is money, and I I think New York is... The fun about New York is the haggling. You know, there is something fun about that. I mean, it's it's a brutal place to do production, but if you can produce in New York, you can pretty much produce anywhere in the whole entire world. I don't care where you're thrown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's your your, um, take on the advertising side of the business versus the same music video and, and, and creative uh, film side of the business well I feel like with music videos it was kind of gr- I had a really good uh, head start because we felt the clench of the pockets before commercials did right so we already had to make adjustments and kind of switch the mindset of how things were going to get done yeah and uh, one of the biggest switches was from moving from film to digital yes and we ended up moving from film to digital. A lot of directors did not want to do it. They had a really hard time pulling away from what film gives them mm. look-wise. I think we had like a head start on it and understood, okay, this can't... We can't deliver that because we made that for... $600,000 and now you want us to do the same or something like it for $200,000 mm. but if there's a will there's a way and you'll figure it out and you'll get it done and we have and then when that happened with commercials I think it was a little tough for companies to handle because they got so used to the fluff production companies mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. production companies that work in yeah, the advertising world um, it's so profligate though isn't it I mean it's just like you're Spending three days shooting a bowl of you know, cornflakes or something. It's just like, get on with it. Get on with it. It is tough, but again, I go back to what I said in the beginning of the interview, is the client is always right. Yeah. And if they're not right, they'll look to you to give them a suggestion. And if we have to shoot the big pen, like 67 angles, yeah. so be it. that's what I knew when I took on that job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No point and in complaining. Right, and yeah. it's never going to be fun, but I'm not here necessarily to always have fun. I'm here to do something yes. and deliver and make sure that client is happy along the way and comes back to us. The, the other funny thing you were mentioning about film to video, I mean, when I'm looking at movies on high definition, they look shit now, right? Because it, it takes all the grain and the... I was watching, I think, The Big Lebowski on, on a high def TV, right. and it looked like it was shot in video. It was like terrible. Right, right, <laughs> right, and that was shot in film for yeah. sure. They used to say, like, oh, well, it's going to save us money. And I had a few directors who'd say, well, not necessarily. I'll just shoot less film. 
let me shoot the film and give me that look. Mm. And it's not required on every job. I mean, let's face it, people are shooting music videos on iPhones now. Of course. You know, everyone's doing it. No, that's it. what I was saying. I mean, at the end of the day, if, if, the, if the receptacle that you're looking at this on is, is destroying any of the kind of nuance right. and stuff that film, and graininess and sort of atmosphere that film gives you, that video kind of seems to take away because it's, it's also garish or whatever the, the right word is. I mean, there's been that movie with Tom Cruise in the taxi, which I think was one of the first ones fully shot on right. digital, which looked great. But, right. but it's, it's the old movies that were shot on film that suddenly get transferred into this high def thing and they look kind of really it's, they lose so much yeah. of their atmosphere yeah I know well you're yeah you're used to seeing something that had that what if you if you had what would your regrets be looking back on your career what what would you say oh I wish I'd done that or is there anything that you, you feel you wish you regrets I've had a few yeah <laughs> uh, I feel like I've done it my way I don't really feel like I've had any regrets I wish in a way there was a little bit more time for me to do more and give back. So um, in 2016, I'm back to being a freelancer. Right. And within that freelance mentality, I want to be able to figure out how and what this giving back and doing something for somebody else or for a group of people or something on that level because... Sort of charity projects and stuff like that. Something like that. Right. Yeah, I'm the same. I think. It, I think also it's to do with what you mentioned earlier about the the nature of the business that we're in, the kind of mm-hmm. the, the the veneer of fake that we peddle. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to kind of try and bring something for your own. Oh yeah, but I also did this, and that was good for people. <laughs> it just kind of soothes the soul. Yeah, and yeah. it's like, well, wait a minute, are you actually doing it? Like, then you have to think: Am I doing something great because I can tell somebody that I did something great? Or are you doing something great because you want to help the other person? You know, and not you don't have to tell anybody. Yeah. And that's what I want to get to. I want to get to that point where all of the skills that I've learned in production are preparing me to do something much greater. Right, that's and good. what that greater is. I haven't figured that out yet. But you're But I'm not trying to be yeah, I'm not trying to be like the number one executive at a film company. I'm not trying to God, have no, the number yeah. one this. Like it's again with the ladder quote, you know, I I have moved my ladder to a completely different, different wall. wall. Yeah, great. And as long as I can still step up those steps and have the means of making the money yeah. to be able to bring it to something else, that's gonna give me the real joy and real happiness and hopefully I can teach others to keep doing and one of my another pet peeve is when I ask somebody on set I'm like oh hi nice to meet you blah blah we're in conversation what do you do oh I'm just a PA cancel just you're never Brilliant. just anything in life if you're here and you're doing something take take ownership from what that is you're not just this yeah it's another word I don't really care for Nicole, great chat. Uh, I knew I would have a great chat with you after we met just two days ago, but I think you're leaving Thank us with you. two great uh, thoughts. One is take the word try out of your vocabulary, mm-hmm. and you're never not just something. Correct. And you're certainly not just anything, uh, and I hope that your new wall will live up to uh, your old wall, and you'll be even more successful and do great, and I'll definitely keep in touch with you. So thanks for coming on A Pint uh, with you. Shawnee B. And Nicole Acasio. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Back to the beach now. Yep. Yeah. Ha, ha, ha.